from the host that brought you to Coding Westworld. And Westworld the Recapables. Comes the Ringer Prestige TV podcast on Westworld. I'm Joanna Robinson. I'm Danny Heifetz. And I'm David Shoemaker. Welcome to Westworld Season 4 in the Prestige TV podcast feed, where we're going to break down every episode of Westworld Season 4. Every Monday, the day after the show comes out on the Prestige TV podcast feed. Wherever you get your podcasts, but get them on Spotify. Did that, that train from that night? Yes. The bangle is trying to tell you something, beta. I don't know what, but I do know that you needed to be here with me to figure it out. I don't know how to figure it out. I feel like I'm trying to piece together a hundred different things and it, I just, I'm breaking more than I can fix. That's quite a puzzle. But then, if you have lived like I have, lost what I have, you learn to find beauty in the pieces. To the Ringerverse, your Nexus podcast feed for all things fandom. If there's something fandom related, guess what? We're podcasting about it. We're 24 7 podcasters now. That's the new reality of the Ringerverse. Uh, I'm Joanna Robinson. And joining me today with a bag of the mildest biryani she could find, it's Mallory Rubin. Hi, Mallory. Oh, Joe, you're wearing a shirt that says New Jersey. What is this look? <laughs> We're um, I'm over every moon conceivable to be here today to talk to you about Miss Marvel episode four for the first time with Mallory Rubin. We've talked about Light. it lightly mm-hmm. in our, you know, in texts and chats and stuff like that. But like. We haven't gotten to do the classic House of Our Deep Dive. We've been a little busy with someone named Obi-Wan Kenobi. So uh, Mallory and I are here for the final two episodes of, final three episodes three. of yeah. Miss Marvel to, to, to give you the old deep dive. Uh, before we get into that, some program reminders, because this isn't the only thing Mallory and I are doing this week. Uh, <laughs> you're hearing this on a Thursday. Tonight... At midnight Pacific time, Netflix is dropping, I don't know, 90 hours of Stranger Things, two episodes, many hours of content. Mallory and I will be doing a Friday episode about the first episode of the final installment of season four of Stranger Things, right? And then on Monday, even though it is a holiday for most people, we will be here with a recap (laughs) of the second Two and a half we hear that's right. <laughs> like long episode of Stranger Things. So that's yeah. two Stranger Things deep dives coming. Might up. be our first uh, successful record a podcast shorter than the runtime of the episode challenge. I think uh, we can do it. No promises. <laughs> no promises. Um, and then Wednesdays, uh, on Wednesday, the Midnight Boys, pew, pew, we'll be back with a, a one-two punch of Latest episode of The Boys and Miss Marvel. So you'll get that from them on Wednesday. And then we're into Thor Love and Thunder territory. So listen, it's all happening. We're yeah. here for all of it. Your pals on the pod, on the mic. So um, Molly Rubin, how can folks 
make sure that they are aware of when, when our episodes are coming out, our, our schedule. What do you think? Ooh, you know, one thought that I have is that they could follow the pod on oh. Spotify or wherever they get their podcasts. Sure. And, uh, you know, another suggestion. Yeah. Follow our myriad social feeds. The Ringerverse is everywhere. If you have a social media platform that you frequent, you can find the Ringerverse there. I mean, if you're still out there rocking Peach, I don't know. Anyone wow. use Peach? You remember Peach? <laughs> Chris peach. Ryan and I had a few fun days on Peach. That's that's the name I haven't heard in a long time. <laughs> a long time. Other than that, we're everywhere. You can find us. You can enjoy Jomi's wonderful Lord of the Meme action. And of course, you can get links to pods when they publish. You can get prompts for mailbags. You can get programming reminders and announcements. You can get it all. That's how social media works. <laughs> <laughs> the voice of the youth on this podcast. The one more thing to say. Oh, my God. Real hello, fellow kids energy <laughs> for me there. I'm officially 100 years old. You can't see it Tough right now, moment. but Mallory has a skateboard slung over her shoulder and a backwards baseball cap. Um, one more thing before we get into this yeah. episode conversation is that, of course, we've got a friendly neighborhood spoiler warning for you. Mm. Everything... That is on the table today is up through episode four of Miss Marvel. But also the comics. We can talk about anything that happens in the comics. We don't care. We're not going to talk about, oh, I don't know, movies like Thor, Love and Thunder, which we've both seen. We're not talking about that. We're going to save that for later. That's not on the table. I can't but wait to talk about I that. I know. Though. Thrilled over the moon to talk to you about that. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, we're here. We're here to talk to you about all things Miss Marvel. Marvel, Comic-Con, let's go. Season one, episode four, Seeing Red, written by, oh, just a host of writers. <laughs> Sabir Prasada, AC Bradley, Matthew Chauncey, and it's directed by Charmaine Obaid Chinoy. And uh, Charmaine is a very accomplished uh, Pakistani director. And I thought, uh, like, visually, I don't know, we'll get into this, but there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of comment about Marvel action, Marvel TV action. And I actually thought this episode had some really top tier Marvel TV action for a couple of reasons, mm -hmm. which we'll get into. Um, but before we we talk about that, before we talk about some some punches, some hard light, uh, I want, you know, you're here on the mic, Mallory, Ribbon, for the record. <laughs> it's true. How are you feeling about Miss Marvel so far? What has your journey been like? Like, mm. how's it going for you? Oh, I love, I just love this television show. I'm having an absolute blast. I'm so excited to to finally talk about it with you. I've, I've missed having the chance the last few weeks to really just revel in this truly pleasurable viewing experience. I think that this show is so vibrant and charming and charismatic and full of life. And it's like my favorite kind of story inside of a, a, a genre wrapper, which is... Yes, of course, there is the legacy and the mythology, and that is being parceled out episode by episode, beat by beat. I personally had very, uh, a very, I have very little Miss Marvel comics canon awareness. I'm only now taking my first foray, as you know, Joe, because I've been texting you into the comics. It's all new to me. And so it's been really cool to kind of run those parallel tracks of the comics of the show, learning about this aspect of the canon. The coming of age story, just my favorite thing. And you put that inside of a superhero story and a genre tale and I'm in, you add the 
the again that just charm and the heart that is so ever present and this show is just so steeped in the journey of discovery in so many different entwined respects and i just love that learning about your friendships learning about your family your history your culture your own community the parallels that exist across a family across generations and how that teaches you something about your own experience. It's mm-hmm. just really been a delight week after week. I'm having a blast. Excellent. I'm so I'm so thrilled you're here. Um, this week yeah. on the show, we're headed to Pakistan. We're in Pakistan. We're on the flight, and then we're in Pakistan. Uh, we should say for the record. Oh, I just want, let me say more broadly. I I wasn't able to be on the episode last week, but I've gotten a lot of emails. Um, People, people find going out of their way to find an email where they can reach me and sending me the longest emails I've ever received in my life about this show and about our coverage of this show. Um, awesome. And I've been doing this for a long time. I've got a lot of long emails. Back of the Thrones days, I got like, you know, dissertation length. But I think the way in which this show is so important for a very thirsty, underserved audience and um, the way in which they want to applaud us for getting some, th- some some things right and then like rightfully hold our feet to the fire for the things that we like misstep on and I always appreciate that when it's phrased as nicely as so many of these emails have been phrased um it, it, you know it just underlines to me how important this show is to so many people and yep. and that makes me uh emotional so anyway thank you for those long long emails um I I'm sorry I didn't uh, address any of them on the pod last week because it wasn't there, but please keep sending them. I, I love to read your, your thoughts and your feelings. And actually for in prep for this episode, I watched a breakdown, you know, you and I love a YouTube breakdown of a, of an episode of Marvel TV. We're fans of that, but I watched one in Hindi. Um, not that I could understand the Hindi, but I was just sort of like interested in what the person was kind of zeroing in on. And then going through the comments, which were all, in English and seeing what they were most excited about was a really fun thing for me to understand, you know, who this episode is hitting and where. Um, yeah. It's awesome. It's a really special show. Um, so yeah, so we're, we're, we're in Pakistan. It's actually, we're in Thailand. They filmed this in Bangkok, but there's some exterior, some B roll that is from actual, uh, the streets of Pakistan. So that's really exciting. And this is directly from a storyline in the comics where, uh, Kamala goes to Pakistan in volume four, uh, issue number 12. There was a QR code in the episode for that issue. So they're like, Mm -hmm. we're, we're doing the journey to Pakistan. And like, I think it's, um, I just want to ask you like this idea of going back to like a home country, or the homeland as like a right, a growing up rite of passage. Do you have any like thoughts or feelings or connection to that? Oh, I love it. You know, I think that it, it allows us as an audience in tandem with the characters who are central to the story to better understand the roots and the connections across time and across generations. And I think that one of the things that this show has done so deftly, and this, this has been the case throughout, but you really felt it in this episode because we are not only with Kamala, but we are with her mother. We are with Nani. And then we see them with each other as well. And you get the opportunity to identify the, the, the through lines and the parallels and when those parallels bring people together and when they divide them apart, right? The idea of borders and divisions very present throughout this episode in this story so far. And w- one, of the, one of the moments that really 
stood out. And, you know, the, the, the performances are just so wonderful on the show. I mean, everybody who's been covering covering Miss Marvel and the Ringerverse uh, through the first three episodes has rightly touted the performances which are just consistently excellent and magnetic across the board. Um, the scene where we get the, the wonderful, like, the leg massages, this massage your way of getting back at me. We have, you know, uh, the, the toffee, the beautiful toffee conversation. But we get this really, like, illuminating exchange. It is absolutely true. And even after Baba left you, you continue to cling to these fantastic theories. And Sana, Nani says, I just thought I'd share them with you. I didn't need your stories, mommy. I needed my mother. This was like one of those moments where not only is it very compelling emotionally and it just works on that level. You are watching two people work through their history and their past together, but you understand so clearly then the way that Kamala's mother has taken something that she is still working through and processing this struggle with her mother and her history and her life. And it is then manifesting in the inversion where her daughter is craving the exact thing that she got and didn't want, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And the way that these like cycles and repetitions and inversions perpetuate across a family dynamic, I just think is like so interesting. And I, I just also thought it was such a lovely, I mean, it was just such a lovely setting, the beautiful moment up on the balcony between Nani and Kamala. You know, you found my secret spot. Like it was a gorgeous episode. It was so full of life. And I, again, like I as a viewer, I'm learning so much as I watch that. And the moments where you realize that your central figure, your hero is learning so much too in tandem with you. is just a really like a rare and cool thing. I want to talk about this like really um, inherently important theme of um, Kamala's character in both the comics and the show, which is this mm-hmm. idea of like torn between two worlds. And mm-hmm. she gets it double time, right? Because she gets this sort of, am I too American for the Pakistanis or too Pakistani for the Americans uh, sort of theme that we've seen explored a lot in sort of first generation um, kids in America. Um, but also, of course, we she's finding out that she's got this other torn between two worlds identity in terms of being part human and part Jin. And um, what I love about that what I love about like the spicy food stuff, like her being embarrassed that the food is too spicy for her. This is straight out of the comics where like her grandma had to make the the food like white level spice for her and stuff like that. And like all of that stuff is, is really charming. But what I love that's baked into the concept of this show that's not in the comics is this repeated idea that the reason she's able to harness the power of the bangle mm-hmm. is because of her fractured identity that like this bangle has you know these (laughs) scary immortal people have been chasing this bangle but they have never been able to harness the power of it the way that um kamala has and you know it's explained to her by the character walid who she meets in this episode like we believe your genetics could be the answer to why it is that you can shape the nor here the nor being this light your humanity links you to the matter of this world it makes your abilities unique and so that fractured identity which so many people see um, as a weakness, as like, I don't fit in anywhere. That's the core of her. That's a source of her strength. And it goes back to this like sort of Joseph yeah. Campbell hero's journey idea of 
talk about this a lot when we talk about like mythological heroes and even superheroes is that the wound, this idea of the combining the wound with the gift. So like the Mm -hmm. wound for someone like Superman is being shunted out of his home, right? He's exiled from his home and separated from his, his humanity, but that's also the source of his strength because he's from a different planet. That is why he is as strong as he is. So like tying Mm -hmm. the wound to the power, uh, is such a strong, interesting hero thing. And to do that with this idea of like, I'm split between two worlds, firstborn uh, American immigrant experience. I I just think that that is really a fascinating concept that they really expanded on out, out of the comics. What do you think? Oh, yeah, I I think that's exactly right. And I, I, I really I love that. And this the, the numerous different versions of the two worlds. Like there are plenty of moments in the, in the episode, as you know, where there's like a lot of levity and poking fun, whether that's with Kareem or uh, the, the, around the campfire or with her cousins or any number of other sequences. Right. There's even like a moment where her mother just says to her, don't be weird. Right. And so much of, so much of the pull that we feel to this character is that the, the idea of like weirdness is, inherent to identity and like a thing that you have to grow to embrace and love about yourself right and finding the other people in your life who help you embrace that is like such a magical thing much more magical ultimately than any superpower right and so like one of the moments that I just loved so much in the episode because it's this big idea right and it applies to all of these then specific specific exchanges and moments was like Kareem just talking very broadly about, you know, introducing Asakamala to the Red Daggers, but talking really about illumination, perspective, seeing something in a different way. And he had a couple Mm. lines, you know, he says, sometimes you have to look beyond what's right in front of you. Welcome to the Red Daggers. Perhaps we can teach you to open your eyes. And that's just a real gift to find people accidentally or otherwise in front of an Ant-Man mural or otherwise (laughs) who can not only help you find the clarity because there is like an actual quest element to this that Kamala is chatting about with Kareem and Walid in the Red Dagger sequence, but also with Nani and this exchange of like the, the trail of stars. And is this the train we're seeing and trying to piece together what she is even seeking. And that idea of seeking comes up. I think we'll talk about that later on the actual inscription of the bangle in a very compelling way. Oh yeah. Well, you're not just in a really deftly told nimble story. You're not just seeking a plot answer. You're seeking that in tandem with some sort of revelation or epiphany about who you are. Yeah, and that's going to, uh, discovery. Yes, those yeah. things are going to unlock each other in yeah. a well-told story. And I really, I really think that that's happening here. Yeah. I love that. Um, to, Yes, and sort of some of this multi-generational women uh, stuff that you were talking about. I like, I just, I really love, with much love and respect to Kamala's dad and brother, who I love. I love that it's like, we're talking about three generations of women here, right? Mm-hmm. Grandmother, mother, daughter. And something that, um, I want to talk first about Nani and this idea of partition and <laughs> her her studio her obsessive like yarn wall about partition um, and like the art that she's created uh, drawing, you know, painting her mother because she doesn't have a photograph of her mother or, you know, having to create, she's like, you could dwell on what you lost or you could create it. 
you know, and I just, I thought that was just a really beautiful concept. Incredible. But I, <laughs> I do want to talk really quickly about, uh, about partition, this like very traumatic thing, obviously, but yeah. one of the items on the wall in Nani studio, um, uh, references, um, Mountbatten and that pinged, uh, the crown fan in me. I don't, do you watch the crown at all? Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> okay. So Mountbatten, oh, yeah. of yep. course, a real life figure in history, but also a significant character in the crown played yes. first by Greg wise. And then by the great Charles dance, um, and is a really interesting character, but thinking about his, he was, you know, so he was the viceroy of India and oversaw partition. And a lot of people are just sort of like make him and understandably the main villain of partition. And the fact, you know, he spoilers for the crown and also real life. Mountbatten was assassinated in 79 yes. by the IRA. Right. And and it's a really shocking moment. Right. Not the least of which, because we've been with this character for so long. Also, he's played by Charles Dance. Um, but. There are so many resentments swirling around this one man who is painted as both a kindly uncle and then you learn more and more about sort of all the nefarious things that he had his hands in. And so I just think that that was just, I don't know, it's just a really interesting figure to crop up in this that he is also in the crown kind of gentled and lionized in a way but also there's just this like really it's like a lot of blood on his hands and i don't know i just thought that was a really interesting figure any thoughts any mountbatten thoughts or feelings um now i'm just i can't wait to talk about the crown with you oh great (laughs) in future seasons not surprised to learn that we're uh both uh deeply devoted to to the crown and of course have long been devoted to to charles dance uh sir Sir tywin himself Mm -hmm. um just hearing you like say all that though and and sketch out the way that these you know that that uh, I thought the only way I could hold on to what we had lost was to create it myself like deeply emotional deeply family rooted aspect of that room and that discovery is entwined with those those uh those snippets of of actual real life history yeah and to your question from earlier about like do I, how do I think about these uh, re- returning to your, to your, your roots and, and families across time moments? Like I, I actually, I don't know if I was thinking about it in this way, watching it, but now hearing you talk about these like three generations of women inside a family and, and confronting their own history, I'm thinking about like the sequence where, um, where Kamala is walking through town with her cousins and there's like, you know, again, like not like an ill-intentioned or anything, but that 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 she has that line about, oh, this is like like Florida, right? This is where like old people are. And then there's this like very serious reply from one of her cousins. And, you know, my my parent my um my maternal grandparents, my mom's parents, my nana and papa are Holocaust survivors. Yeah. And I like now just hearing you say all this, it makes me think of like a moment when I was a kid and visiting my Nana and Papa in in Florida, in Delray Beach. They eventually came to to live with us in Maryland. And I was really young at this point in time, but my my papa was spreading yogurt. And it's impossible that this is like a slightly apocryphal story, but this is how I remember it in my in my mind. Yeah. He was spreading yogurt on a bagel. And I was just like, Papa, what are you doing? That's disgusting. 
why would you be spreading yogurt on a bagel? Yeah. And he was like, if you went <laughs> years of your life without eating, without being able to access food like we did, like you would never ask a question like that. And, you know, I, I think about things like that because like, I was just with my, <laughs> sorry, getting emotional. I was just with my family last weekend and, you know, a few weeks before that, I was back in Baltimore for the first time in three years because of COVID. And I actually hadn't been to the house that my mom and stepdad are currently living in. They had like moved right before COVID. And I was just, you know, I talked to my mom all the time, but like you just have these moment moments where you're like pulled back into the history of your own family and your own life. Right. And just yeah. like walking around and she has this, the house has changed and her life has changed and she has this one picture of my Nana and Papa that has just been with her every single place she's ever been. And I don't know, it's just like a really, it's just like a really lovely thing to think about. And, you know, she has like her associations with that and her stories. And I'm sure her siblings have different ones and they have like common moments that they think of and totally distinct ones as well. And, you know, I had the, the, the privilege of like really knowing my grandparents. And again, they lived with us for a while and they're both, you know, they're, they've both passed away and they're gone now. But I think a lot about like trying to read about all the stuff I don't know about their lives still. Yeah. And these historic, horrific things that they lived through and like, why, why I don't know more about that and like what I can do to change that. And I think the answer to that is just to like ask, to ask my mom or ask other yeah. people in their lives. And like, again, I just love, I love this show so much because even though I just said I wasn't like necessarily consciously thinking about that, watching the episode, talking about it with you just made me think about it. And that's like a really cool, special yeah. thing, you know? So I don't know. I just think that like, I thought it was interesting on the Midnight Boys, they discussed whether it felt, too soon to change locations in that mm-hmm. way to go from Jersey yeah. City to Pakistan. And I I felt really glad that this happened here where it did because I think that not only in terms of like the lore and the history of the clandestine and the Bengal and all of that, Kamala understanding her family and who she is, given in particular what we've what we've come to understand inside of the show about how little opportunity these family members have had to explore these things together. Yeah. I think it's like imperative for her journey and for that self-discovery that we were talking about earlier that she be here. And yeah. and and Nani even says that, right? Like the Bengal is trying to tell you something, Beta. I don't know what, but I do know that you needed to be here with me to figure it out. Like what a cool idea. I love first of all, thank you so much for sharing that. I love, I love podcasting with you and talking about story with you. It means a lot to me. Um, the, when Nani says my passport is Pakistani, my roots are in India. And in between all of this, there's a border. There's a border marked with blood and pain. People are claiming their identity based on an idea. Some old Englishman, Mountbatten, you bastard had when they were fleeing the country. How is one to deal with that? Do you think you're ever going to figure it out? But what's the rush? Hmm. And then also, but then if you've lived like I have lost what I have, you learn to find beauty in the pieces. Oh. And again, like these are just, these are things that, that, line. that she needs to learn from her grandmother. And when I'm talking about that original 
wound, it's like the original wound here is this is partition and this idea of people flung on one side or the other of something. And, you know, similarly, I, I, we'll learn more, I hope, about Aisha and all of that. But like the jinn being exiled from their homes is, you know, such an interesting parallel. And again, very different from the comics, but I think a really smart way to underline the importance of story. Partition is part of the comics. It's in there. Um, but I think making this story about these characters, these Jin figures who are trying to get home allows you to dwell even more in, in the idea of partition, what it really meant and what it really destroyed and, and what you can choose to do in the aftermath of that destruction. Do you hold on to your hate understandably, but do you hold on to your hate the way that some of these villainous figures in this show are holding on to their hate, or do you take another approach? And right. um, I think right. that's really interesting. The yeah. the way in which I related really personally to these generational stories that we're getting here is the stuff with Muniba and her mom. You mentioned the leg rub and stuff like that, but I just think mm. – yeah. The the stuff with the toffee boxes where she's like, why do you have toffee boxes everywhere? Right. Like this is a sign of your declining mind. Why do you have toffee boxes everywhere? And she's like, because you love them as a child. So I held on to them. Ugh. Like, of yeah. course, you know, and so she's still thinking she's still thinking of Muniba as a child. Right. In her in her own way. And I flashed back immediately and viscerally to like one Thanksgiving at my house where I was, you know, maybe my early teens. And I was, you know, my grandma at that point, my grandma, my mom's mom would come and stay with us for Thanksgiving and for Christmas, like just overnight. And I remember being in the kitchen and watching my mom at her her rope's end dealing with her mom and my mom and I didn't get along. And so watching her turn into a child dealing with her own mom. And it's such an important part of growing up is realizing either that your parents are just humans like you, like you are, there's a human, you're just human, or maybe even more viscerally that they were a child, like you were a child and they're capable of still being thrust back into that child position when they're around their own parents. If you get, if you're lucky enough to see your parent interact with a grandparent, like that's an experience you can have. And then one more step beyond that, we have another experience in life is when you start to watch your older parents lose the ability to take care of themselves, whether that's true of Nani, who's out partying before she has to pick people up at the airport. I don't know. (laughs) But Boniva's like, maybe it's time for you to come stay with us. Maybe it's time for me to mother you, you know? And all of that cyclical stuff is happening at once, very definitely in this episode. Centers on this idea of toffee. For me, my favorite part of this episode, there's a lot of spectacle. There's a lot of running through the streets. It's, It's Kamala coming home and her mom is eating the toffees and he shares it with her. And she says, you know how mothers are. And it was just like, you know, she's just enjoying this childhood delight, which is she's just eating these toffees that she loved as a kid. And Kamala can't eat them because they're hard as rocks or whatever. And it's just this like really beautiful moment. And it's the kind of like pause depth. They didn't spend a ton of time on it, but it's just like the show has room for some of that family stuff in a way that I feel like a lot of other Marvel shows or even superhero shows in general, because they're so focused on the supernatural threat or the action or whatever, that they don't take the time to flesh out those characters and those relationships. 
Yeah, I I loved I loved that moment too. Not only because there's an element of like bonding and you know laughter and just this like sweet kind of innocent tenderness, but there's a moment through this just this 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 little thing sharing a bite of food with somebody of enhanced understanding of who your mother is and as you're saying like what that history is and you know to your point about that idea of of Nani still thinking you know of her as a child and what the toffees might represent in that in that sense like this kind of almost like frozen in amber mm-hmm. attachment to a past version of their family a, a past version of their life there's also this like related really lovely way of looking at that like she never stopped thinking that she would come home you know she never yes. stopped thinking that they would be able to like find their way back to each other then yeah. this idea of like the trail of stars this magical pathway this bridge that leads you back to somebody you love this like embodiment of protection and guidance that can be in a box of candy too you know there are so many different ways that like you can make your way back to each other if you just like you said like it's those it's that that line of wisdom from nani you know you you learn to find beauty in the pieces and like the toffee in a way it's the pieces it represents the thing they no longer were able to share together but that piece can be the way back to each other too it's just beautiful there's this i don't know if you have any connection to like Candy from elsewhere, but there we have these family friends when when we were kids that would come visit and they would bring this candy from they're Italian. They would bring these candy from Italy called Torone, which is disgusting. Mm. It's white and it's really sickly. Uh, sorry, to my taste, not not great. But it came in a very specific tin, and they would mm. always bring it. And my sister and I would always pretend that we were delighted to have it because we were little polite children. And then we would be like, Why is this? Sorry to offend any Italian listeners. I, I hope you love the Torone yourself. But um, that's just seeing that tin. I know that tin so well. Mm-hmm. And just seeing it. It's not it doesn't even say the candy. It's just like the design of the tin. I know what's inside of it. I know. Um, and like. That I don't know, it's a vis- it's a visceral yeah. sort of interesting memory. Meanwhile, over damage control. We have oh, some notes. <laughs> the toughest of looks. <laughs> we have some notes about the strategy here. I have a lot of compliments for this episode, but damage control, I have no compliments for you. Any thoughts or feelings about how easily Najma and her and and her pals escaped? I think that ultimately, if everybody inside of the story is kind of in on the bit and like we're just actually supposed to think that everyone who works for damage control is a dummy and a doofus and like not a real threat, then I love it, right? Because like the ability to just so easily thwart them then becomes kind of comic and um, like thematically resonant. If they're supposed to be uh, antagonists of consequence, then it just like (laughs) makes it really difficult to take them seriously. Yeah. But in general, you know, we haven't really gotten the chance on Mike to talk about, uh, uh, obviously, we, we talked about it in our Spidey pod, but here, I haven't gotten to just say, I, damage control could fuck up 500 times if it means I get Stewie in the oh, MCU. Like, Stewie. I'm content. <laughs> I completely agree. What a treat. Um, it's been noted by many people that damage control, this specific prison, Shows up in the She-Hulk trailer and it is where uh, Blonsky is being kept in the She-Hulk trailer. And we know that like 
Blonsky just like fucks off out of his shell, uh, out of his cell anytime he chooses. So, you know, across the board, damage control, not controlling much damage, it would appear, right? Man, Blonsky. Missed that guy. <laughs> well, uh, it's great to see him in Shang-Chi. Can't I wait have, to see him again. <laughs> I have a theory. You'll see more of him soon. All right. So let's talk about the Red Daggers. Um, I think there's some yes. really interesting casting going on here, right? So, like, Aramis Knight is cast as Kareem and. Um, I know him. Did you watch Into the Badlands at all? The AMC show? I didn't. No. Okay. Not a great show, but it had some great things. Like it had some really interesting world building going on and mm. it had it, visually very cool, great costumes. And then some of the best martial arts fighting I've ever seen in my entire life. Uh, Daniel Wu, who is showing up on Westworld this season is a phenomenal like he was the lead and he had these fights and this red coat and it's just like everything that you could possibly want um aramis knight played his sort of like protege like the young in training which just means that mm-hmm. this young man has done so much martial arts training uh in his already in his young life um and so i feel like that really came through in casting both him and um, Farhan Akhtar, who is a who is a Bollywood star, and not just like a bo- but like a Bollywood star, like in that Hindi video that I mentioned, like most of the comments were about Farhan Akhtar, who who shows up as Walid. So like the two actors that they cast as Red Dagger, um, the the two members of the Red Dagger <laughs> collective. I don't know how many others there are out there. Um, that was a really funny Midnight Boys chat about how yeah. many members you need to actually be a secret society. <laughs> Maybe it's like the Sith oh, where there God. is only there's like an, a massive rule of two. and like Wally had to die because Kamala has joined the Red Daggers. Rule of um, two never worked out poorly for anyone in nope. Star Wars. So it always should great. be fine. Always great. Um, but I, I just I think I think ca- that that specific casting just really shines through in a lot of the action that we see in this episode because you've just got like two friggin' crackerjack. Uh, actors who know what they're doing when it comes to movement um, as opposed to great actors who have a couple weeks of training right. before shooting a Marvel show. Right. Um, so I thought that was really, really good. They were just like both absolute delights. Yeah. Incredible to watch. I, I don't, I don't know how quickly Kareem might head to Jersey City, if that's something that's going to port over from the comics into the show, I would love it. I thought he was just exceptional, and I hope he's very <laughs> present in the story. I, I, I thought I thought Walid was just uh, so compelling, and also like you know, we we talk often about how inside of the, an MCU tale, there's gonna be multiple moments, whether it's in a movie or across a, a Disney Plus series where you have like a lot of exposition downloading happening mm-hmm. and he, a lot of that a lot of that fell on him yeah um specifically when it came to Lenore and the veil and the bengal i, I was like wrapped <laughs> he <laughs> had like maps magnetic. and charts and 3D like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. no yeah. He's, he's fantastic like honestly gone too soon but um it's uh, it's it reminds me of um that scene in Wayne's World where they replace the random actor in the gas station with Charlton Heston who like had to deliver this beautiful monologue and they like stopped the movie and Mike Myers is like can we get a better qual- caliber of actor in here and they just like tap Charlton Heston for this tiny thing and then I'm like oh they tapped a Bollywood legend for this like very small role but like 
gives it weight, gives it excitement for people who are watching and excited to like see uh, you know, all of Pakistani, uh, you know, culture represented here and stuff like that. And so. and like real emotional heft too in 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 between and entwined with all of the mythology downloading. Cause like yeah. he has that lovely, there's that lovely moment with the the garment, handing over the garment. And he says to, you know, he says to her like there's history in every thread of this fabric. So you always remember where you came from. You're not alone. And that 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 idea, you're not alone, it connects to everything we've been talking yeah. about today, like learning to really just embrace the ties that bind when so much of what is driving the story is about the borders that divide. When you find the ties that bind, that's like a really powerful thing. I love this idea that like Kamala is slowly building her costume out of these pieces that come from these various people. Right. So like the scarf, which we know from promo material is going to like wind up being in the, you know, it's in her comics costume is going to wind up being in her end game costume here. You know, she puts on this like long red shirt and the blue vest. It's not the final look, but it is, it is a reference to her costume. The mask she has is what Bruno gave her, you know, so she's like taking these pieces and putting together her costume from all her various identities. I love it. I want to talk about the many, many boyfriends of, of Khan. <laughs> Same. Um, incredible, incredible player. Uh, we love her. Um, I think it's fucking great. Oh, I, I really also think it's great. It. <laughs> like the midnight boys, life. uh, this, that was a, a rare misstep from them. But I think what I think is even more interesting and they, they let us know that this was coming with a shot of Felicity in the first episode. I warn people, I'm like a love triangle. If, if not a, a square is coming, cause that is all Felicity is about. But one of the saddest moments of my podcasting tenure was not getting to talk about the Felicity <laughs> thing with you because I watched every second of Felicity and it's one of the most formative viewing experiences of my life. Okay, really. I'm por- still deeply in love with Ben. Still. Okay. I was gonna I was gonna yeah, ask I mean, you team better you team. Knew, yeah. But you knew the answer. I didn't did know you? that. I did. <laughs> in your soul, you knew. I like barely out of my mouth. Uh, I feel like we've talked about Scott Steven before. Anyway, I think I once told you that, you know, living in LA now for nine years, when it, you see celebrities walking around and I'm I'm very rarely like, oh my God. But I saw Scott Speedman once at the Arclight parking lot and I was like, oh <laughs> my God. <laughs> nearly fainted. I'm trying to think of the no, I'm I'm not ready to talk about the the celebrity I saw that most dazzled me. Okay, so um <laughs> Ooh, a tease for the future. Yeah. Kareem Kamran and Bruno, I think are yeah. such an interesting specific trifecta here, right? Because they rec- they represent three three aspects of her experience, right? There's like Bruno, our white American friend. This is the guy she grew up with that represents her American side. We've got Kareem who represents her Pakistani side. And then we've got Kamran who like her sort of bridges both. And I like that she is finding something to fall in love with or be interested in, in all three of these avenues. They're all three of them parts of who she is. And I just, I think that's really clever and uh, you know, I don't know how it's going to turn out. I I have my favorites. But oh, who are you shipping? Who are you rooting for? I want to issue an apology apology to Kamran because I haven't had a chance to be on the pod since it was revealed that he wasn't a villain like he is in the comics. Mm -hmm. So my deepest apologies to Kamran. You are very attractive and also very nice. And I'm sorry you were left behind by your own mother in this episode. Um, But a moment for him there. (laughs) I have to go with Bruno. And I think that connects back to my like team Noel roots uh you know i'm now team ben but like when i first watched the show it was very much 
team Noel on Felicity. So yeah, Bruno Bruno is such a Noel, <laughs> honestly. So uh, oh my god, yeah, I'm team Bruno. Classic. How about you? How about you? Uh, I am I am instantly and deeply team Kareem. I I was absolutely captivated. <laughs> <laughs> It's just like a delight. I, I have a lot of affection for uh, show Bruno, though. Um, yeah. Comics Bruno in my early reading already like quite different. Um, but yeah, I don't I mean, I don't. Jomi was saying on the Midnight Boys that he he like that people don't like comic Bruno. That wasn't my experience reading the comics. I do like him, but, um, you know, there's a little there's a little bit more of the like unattractive null possessiveness uh in in comics Bruno than there is in show Bruno. So right. yeah. Right. I, I love that what you're what you're saying though about how each of them each of these potential love interests like represents and reflects a different aspect of um Kamala's life. And one of the things that I, I really I really love about that is that you know they have we haven't seen them all interact with each other, but obviously we got a lot of Kamran and Bruno time. And that like it's a for their perspective for each of the guys that's a threatening reality Mm. like that is something to resent and fear because it's something that someone else has and can bring to to her that you like cannot whereas to her it's this like whole constellation of possibility and everybody and the relationships you have with everybody can be like unique and I think also like again to connect to this like larger theme of of discovery and embracing the the pieces and the different aspects of who you are and where you come from like she doesn't have to actually make that choice it's not like a one or the other right it's like all of these people can be a meaningful part of her life so i ship them all in in some ways and uh you know i always love like with bruno i always love a guy in the chair it's that's it's 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 a favorite it's a favorite thing of mine delightful but and I I feel like episode I've liked the whole series but I feel like episode one is the most like exciting this is something different than we've seen before there's so much like extra added artistic zhuzh to it and like their their little mission to go to Avengers Con and stuff like that it was just like just like so cute and their partnership and all that sort of stuff so I think I'm gonna hold on to my Bruno feelings from from episode one I would be very content with a Bruno outcome too I I I love him I think he's he's a delight he's so sweet and giving you know I uh, the world is full of a lot of like deeply selfish people and Bruno, just out there helping, be a, be, a, be a Bruno, doing whatever he can to make somebody <laughs> else's life better. I want him to be a little more selfish. I'm, you know, the the Caltech thing, right? Is a yeah, it's an important thing for him He's, to follow his own path as well, because that's how you could be the best for somebody else. Ultimately, I agree, man. I really agree. Um, I want to talk about something that happens with Kareem in the comics that I really love. Is that like, mm-hmm. um. Kamala shows up to Pakistan. She meets him. He's like a friend of the family. So it's very much um, uh, get your bingo cards ready because here's my Buffy reference. It's very much like how Buffy meets Riley, her Man, the TA. The bingo cards. <laughs> we haven't talked about the bingo cards on the pod yet. Incredible stuff. The malice horny square. <laughs> I, my parents and my journalism professors must be so proud. <laughs> we should we should say. That someone in our, I don't know, because it was te- it. it was texted to us by someone. So I don't yeah, know what Steve, the origin Steve was. Steve sent them to us. I think he said they were in the Facebook group, I okay. believe. So um, someone in the Facebook group, I guess, made bingo cards for both the Midnight Boys and House of R, like <laughs> individual cards. And Joe references Buffy as one of them. But yeah. Mal is horny, like should be the center <laughs> square for sure. The gimme, right? I believe Steve's <laughs> response to that was free space question mark. <laughs> 
Um, oh, God. <laughs> you know, love our listeners. They know us. They do. It's great. Uh, so here's that. Here's that Buffy square. Uh, Buffy meets Riley, Riley, her TA, and then later, like, encounters him as this, like, super soldier commando out on mission. And they find that they both have superpowers, right? So Kamala meets um, Kareem as just, like, a deeply hot, even in comic book form, friend of the family that she's like, oh, hi. Right. And then she goes out, uh, you know, superhero on patrol night, doing the superhero thing in in Pakistan. And she fucks everything up because she doesn't know anything about what it's like to superhero in Pakistan. She doesn't know anything about the implications of what she's done. And he shows up as Red Dagger and he's like, you didn't check with any local heroes. You just blundered in here thinking you knew what you were doing. You don't know what the hell you're doing. And I just love that moment uh, (laughs) in the comics where he's like, listen, listen. This is Pakistan, and you might be Pakistani, but you don't know what you're doing here. And I just, like, I really love that. Um, Yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I don't know if Kareem is going to come to America like he does in the comics. I don't know if Bird is going to go to Caltech. I suppose those are Miss Marvel season two concerns. Let's talk Mm -hmm. about Miss Marvel maybe bleeding into the Marvels the next time we're going to see uh, Kamala in the movie. With all of this Noor, Jin clandestine the unseen like so so much terminology going on fast and loose here um in last week's episode we didn't get a chance you and i haven't had a chance to talk about this but in last week's episode when we get the bengal flashback they they dig it out of the rubble and it's on this blue arm yes which makes a lot of people feel like that bengal is connected to the Cree the somehow Cree. Yeah. if you're talking i about shouted like- that out loud that seemed <laughs> did you just say Cree in your in your house like con like is that is that what happened? kind of yeah <laughs> just turned out and i said Cree. <laughs> oh a leo pointing a meme okay great <laughs> Um, also in that flashback, we see on the, on the floor of that, of wherever they are, the 10 rings, yes. yes, which has been a theory that we've been floating since the beginning of that. The, this bangle might be connected to the ring, you know, the rings, the bracelets, um, from Chang-Chi. We've been talking a lot about realms, right? Yeah. That there is this other realm that the jinn come from. Yes. And to talk about realms and how they are different from the multiverse. There's a great breakdown video from our pal, Eric Voss, um, over on new rock stars about realms versus universes versus multiverses and sort of what mm-hmm. their different meanings are. But mm-hmm. Talo, which is the realm in Shang-Chi, the thing that to remember about that is that it is like, you can't just stumble upon it. It needs a gateway to open it in order to enter it. And it exists on earth, but no one knows of its existence. And the inhabitants of Talo that that we meet in that film, like uh, one example being played by Michelle Yeoh, uh, are these sort of beings of light that are taking human form. So that might be how we should best think about the jinn that we meet here. And what we one one thing we learned in this episode is sort of this idea of being a jinn. Walid says, if Thor landed in the Himalayan mountains, he right. too would have been called a jinn. So it's like. There are many mm-hmm. beings like this, but they're mm-hmm. called different things depending on where they emerge around the world. I don't think of Thor mm-hmm. in the same category as the residents of Talo, so that's where it gets a little confusing for me. But like, there are some they're attempting to draw some connections between this. What is your understanding of where these things overlap and where they are distinct? So it's a great <laughs> it's a great question. <laughs> Before I attempt to answer it, I will yeah. note that two things. One, I just realized I'm wearing my Morris T-shirt today. Didn't even think about it, but here we go. Oh, my God. 
What a a joy. What a gem. (laughs) Good old Morris. I, so one of the, and I don't even want to say contrasting moments because I think that part of the point is that we're supposed to be thinking about these ideas in tandem, not as um, oppositional instincts, but like one of the, the different kind of frameworks or uh, attempts to parse all this um, d- 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 distinct from the, the Walid actual like rundown and explanation of the Nord dimension, the Bengal, the clandestines, et cetera, was Nani, when, when Kamala asks her about who she is, what does Nani say to her? She says, I don't see what the whole fuss is about. It's just genetics. You're focusing on the wrong things. It's not about how I see the vision or if you are a jinn. The important thing is that when the bangle was used the last time, it saved my life. So obviously, like our inclination as deep dive podcasters is not going to be to hear that and say, doesn't matter. Nani, noted. (laughs) We're no longer going to try to figure this all out. But I am going to try to like hold on to that because I think that it operates in conjunction with ideas like the open your eyes, perhaps we could teach you to see lines mm. from Kareem, just about mm. like maintaining a open mind as we attempt to sift through all of these different kernels and nuggets of canon. So yes, the idea of how universes and dimensions relate to each other, I think you already, you know, you already explained it quite well, I think. I the idea of this veil, mm. the map that we see initially mm. with the two layers, like yeah. it made me think, and obviously like these are not perfect corollaries, corollaries or comps and there's a, a lot of culture and history that is connected to this particular version that is not present in these other examples, but, or is present in different ways. It made me think of like, it made me think of a couple things. One, his dark materials, specifically the subtle knife. And that is of course, more akin to the the world multiverse yeah, right? yeah, like yeah, yeah. You, you can you, you work the tip in and you can make your your way to another <laughs> world work that tip in joe not sure we've got a lot of like ring reverse contains adult content on this pod but but you found a way just my I, I like, guess like, just happened naturally <laughs> happened naturally but that idea of like it's connected to our world but hidden, right? This this idea that there are realms and other ways of life and other people and other existences that are always just right out of reach. That then, of course, makes me think of Stranger Things, another show that is very present and top of mind for us. And quite literally in that case, because we get the the description behind the veil of Noor that separates our world from theirs. And Kareem follows, we'll leave there and says, Noor is the energy of the realm, the veil, the clandestines, even your powers are made of it. And this this then ensuing rundown of the threat of breaching that veil, of tearing it down, and this nor dimension overtaking this reality, our reality. So that makes me think of the upside down, right? And the threat of the, the gates. And not that I think the lessons of those two stories are necessarily the same, or again, that it's like a one-to-one comp, but inside of this show and a lot of what we've been discussing today about like learning to accept and embrace something that you might be led otherwise to fear. Mm. Like I think feels very important here that 
if the nor dimension is only presented or viewed as a threat, like that has to be one of the things I think ultimately that that distinguishes our heroes from the quote unquote villains of the story is how can these things actually, how can you find that bridge and that pathway? How can people live the lives they want to lead without one of those things needing to come at the expense of somebody else's way of life? How can you, and you know, we heard the, the Bruno exchange in the prior episode about like, well, maybe things go boom, right? If you try to do this, like there are risks and dangers and real, real threats, but is there a way to pierce that border to tear down that divide and that thing that stands in as a divide without necessarily having to risk one reality or the other. That feels to me like very central to what the final two episodes need to unlock. Right. This idea of like maybe you can send them home without there being an incursion or perhaps all that is going to bleed over into the Marvels and perhaps Carol Danvers is going to be instrumental somehow in figuring out how to, how to do this. We also like we know that there are supposed to be two bangles. So right. how is that going to work? Right. Um, I actually have a theory about that. We can, what is we'll, it? We'll get. Do you want to hop over to theory corner? Tell me what your theory is. <laughs> well, I love a Joe, I love a Joe Robinson theory. We're, I mean, like the episode ends, we're, we're going back in time, right? Yes. We yep. rip, rip a, rip a tear in, in time and we're back in partition. Right. And the very common theory, it's not even a theory at this point. We could just like probably, We'll be surprised if it doesn't happen. Is that the trail of stars that Sana, you know, takes back to her is something that Kamala like lays out for her, yes. right? Okay. There's a question of like, is Kamala running around a la Back to the Future 2, by the way, a, a film that Kevin Feige has a lot of interest in. So is she gonna be running around like Marty McFly and Back to the Future 2 running back on on a timeline or whatever? Or did she swap places with Aisha? Like, is she actually like like quantum leaping or Russian doll season twoing, if you prefer, into like I Aisha's Aisha's body, right? Right. Yeah. But but a but a main yeah. question is the chain of custody of the bangle, which is like if she brings the bangle back in time and that bangle is somehow the bangle that and it like is then passed down to her, like how does that work if she brings the bangle back in time and sort of stuff like that? But I'm like wondering if there's a way you could bring the bangle back in time. And then if two bangles are in the same place back in time, even though they're the same bangle, there's two bangles. Do you know what I mean? Are you a fan of the television program <laughs> Dark? Uh, uh, yes. Yes. The, time, the much... timey-wimeyest show we've ever seen in our entire life. Yes. Um, I love, love, love Dark. And I wonder how much room there is in the final two episodes of season one of this show to introduce a lot of, like, bootstrap paradox questions, you know? That, like, would, as interesting as I think that would be, that would make me a little nervous just no, in terms to- of, like, a story structure perspective. I do agree with you, though, that, yes, it seems, like, almost clear that... Because again, we get the like so the specifics of uh, we hear we, when we when we move back in time, we we hear oh, this is the last train, and yeah. we had previously heard Nani say the last train, so we know we were at this moment in time. And I agree that it seems very likely, even maybe a lock, that um, Kamala will be the one who unleashes the trail of stars. In terms of like how how that might then connect her to her great grandma, that makes me think of the, the 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 inscription then, like what you seek is seeking you. Okay, first of all, incredible piece of, you know, uh, 
sort of prophecy mumbo jumbo. What you seek is seeking you. I love it. Right. (laughs) Um, Really and, uh I mean, I don't, I don't can't remember if this is a bingo uh, square for you, but like we got to also hop on a Potter reference here, of course, right? Like Harry looping around Prisoner of Azkaban, my favorite uh, of the Harry Potter stories. And I don't think I knew that. Yeah. Interesting. And, and I love that. Being the Patronus that rec- rescues him, right? He thinks it's his dad, right. but it's his yep. himself, right? Bronze wrote so- again last night. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, it's like that, which is one of the most, I think one of, actually, I think maybe the most beautiful yeah, it's um, moments in, in Potterdom for me. And uh, so, yeah, so this idea that she could be there, she could be this origin story, this like this thing that saved her grandmother, that put her family on a certain path, all that sort of stuff. Um, yeah, I think really it's, I, I, I love, me. I love that. I think that would be so, so beautiful. And also like Leeds response when after he shared what the inscription what it said and Kamal's response was is that like an important message and I think there's a there's a version of the show where that plays is like pure kind of like chuckle comedy right yeah his I thought his response was genuinely profound when he said I don't know but it must have been important to someone like to me that that cuts to something central about how prophecies are deployed in stories that I think a lot of stories really miss. Like so much of the way prophecies are ultimately fulfilled is because of the perspective of the person who hears them. Like, you know, you end up setting into, yeah, into the, self, the course the of existence, the prophecy. thing that you yeah. are seeking to avoid. And just yeah, like yeah. this idea of connection and the, the ties that you don't yet see because you haven't been able to open your eyes. Like that really does feel like it would fit with all of the, the themes of this episode. Well, and the thing that I love too about the wording of that, what you seek is seeking you. It's not who you seek is seeking you, but what you seek is seeking you, which, sorry, I said that like three times too fast, but like, I think that uh, like my apologies to anyone who's <laughs> listening to this at 1.5, but I think, cause if you say who you seek is seeking you, that's ooh, okay. That's kind of, that's mm-hmm. cool. That's spooky. What you see is seeking. What is seeking me? What is the thing? Not what is the person, but what is the thing? Is it my destiny? Is it you know like what is it? Is and I just I love that and and the loop nature of it. Again, if mm-hmm. we're on if we're talking about a a causal time loop, because there's been a lot of questions of like if Kamala goes back in time, is this a Loki situation where she's creating a fractured branch of reality? And it's like, no, if it's a closed causal loop, if she was always the one to create the trail of stars, you know, to save her grandmother, then that's not creating a new reality. That's just fulfilling the loop, the existent causal time travel loop. I love causal loops and I love time travel. You and I didn't get to talk about Loki, but I am thrilled (laughs) that we are here. You're right. That probably a (laughs) bootstrap paradox is too much. And it's possible yeah. that the second bangle, if indeed we get a second bangle, but it's possible that the second bangle um, is something that'll show up in the Marvels or maybe never at all. But I just mm-hmm. thought this idea of like, we need two mm-hmm. yeah. to get home and we have yeah. one, you know, something to think about. Um, in terms of the realms, there's something else I want to talk about um, really quickly. This idea of, of one reality sort of laying on top of ours, but we can't see it. Mm-hmm. I love the one shot in the first fight between pure Kamala dust and veil of shadows quote stuff there. But really? <laughs> Continue. Um, where do you think Vecna was during partition? Um, <laughs> there's one, one, I, I actually really liked, um, how the fighting worked in this episode 
her still bumbling through and figuring all of her stuff out, but like how the hard light, like how Kareem is sort of like running around on the hard light too, I thought was kind of cool. Mm, like he runs yeah. down her arm at one point. I thought that was really cool. But like tremendous this- Donkey Kong pull too. <laughs> it's just but iconic. In that, in that exact moment, the Ninja Turtle Donkey Kong exchange, yeah. she's laying on a, a, a sheet of hard light right above him. And it's just sort of this idea of like, Oh, reality. I mean, if I had said that, you would have said phrasing to me. I know. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Saw your face. I saw your face. I saw that coming. But, you know, like, yeah, there's it's it's a it's a classic meet cute sort of sexual. You know, I was surprised that when the thing broke, she didn't land on top of him. They she landed to the side of him. That's all there. But also this idea of like, oh, reality hanging above our reality. I just thought it was a really cool visual between totally. If we're talking about realms, yes, we obviously need to talk about the realm we might be most familiar with, which is the quantum realm, right? A lot of Ant-Man. Scott Lang slash Ant-Man has been brought up in almost every single episode. We really lingered in this one, too. Really lingered in front of the mural. And I can't tell if it's because, like, we're wanting to lead into the Quantumania, like, realm conversation Mm. Or if Paul mm-hmm. Red's gonna show up at some point in this show, like I don't want to, I don't want to get our that hopes would up. be like, fucking amazing. <laughs> I think, oh like, my god, like, I would love that. Bree, we feel like Bree showing up that wouldn't feel like out of the realm of possibility. Paul showing up, I don't know, but I don't know. Go what to teach sh- a podcasting workshop <laughs> at the high school back in I, Jersey City. I don't know what him being there would. I mean, this has to connect to Quantumania. Right. We have to be on a some sort of quantum realm beat here. Do you disagree? I don't disagree. It's like it would seem strange to have these repeated, recurring, lingering Scott Lang Ant Man <laughs> mentions, and we're always going to associate the quantum realm with Ant Man. And I think we've now officially entered the point of phase four where we're like, boy. Remember this time a year ago where we like spent weeks on end talking about whether we were going to see a version of Kang in every single yeah. ensuing MCU story until Quantumania and then it hasn't happened at all, right? Like, I... Just, just my dream. That's it. <laughs> I think that that all totally tracks. I guess my question becomes, you know, we got the Thor mention here. We have this Quantumania possibility. Obviously, as you just as you just noted, the, the we, we literally, quite literally know that this, this world is connecting. The characters are going to be in the Marvels, so we think we'll see Captain Marvel here. You just sketched out the Ten Rings Shang-Chi connections. There's this, like, beacon, bangle possibility. Like, how many other properties can this can this can connect to? Yeah. Without it feeling suddenly, like, diluted or a little too chaotic. I mean, I think mainly... The Marvels. It feels like that's a yeah. strong, clear. She's going to be in it. We're leading towards that. That might as well be Miss Marvel season two sort of vibe, right? Quantumania and the quantum realm. I don't know. I mean, it's not that far away, that movie. Um, right. And we've been promised by Kevin Feige himself that we're going to get some sort of clarity of an overarching um, pull structure plan it's obvious to him he said (laughs) (laughs) sure classic i feel like there are nine possibilities i think they've made nine obvious possibilities they're like obviously we're doing secret wars obviously we're doing young avengers and 
I mean, it's probably Secret Wars, but anyway, we're off the we're off the train tracks here. <laughs> um, anything else you want to say about like Theory Corner? Um, this is not Theory Corner, but just because you've you've mentioned the action a couple of times, I just have to ask how you felt about the car chase because I know that car chases are a this is a passion of yours, and specifically, you're on the record on the Ringer Verse <laughs> and the Ringer Podcast Network saying you do not like and will not watch any car chase that doesn't include the most Vespa gangs. <laughs> Did you miss them? This was so much better. <laughs> Don't you it think was. this was so much better? Yeah, this and was it, really and fun. Like, yeah. And it ties back into her yeah. driving It didn't make lesson. me think my TV was broken, which is still a confounding <laughs> thing that happened during that <laughs> Boba sequence. It's bizarre. Uh, yeah, you, I enjoyed this, Chase. This was What fun. do you think the most of the gang is up to right now? Uh, it's just uh, hanging out with the... Uh, each other getting some new mods challenging that that piece of garbage lortha peel on his watermonger <laughs> bullshit that's probably oh my god um mallory's really excited for the lortha peel season of uh of book of boba all right wanted more lortha peel it's true let's talk about easter eggs okay i need to start here first and foremost magnum the dog beautiful pup your new maybe best friend so well, gorgeous gorgeous creature what a coat. Most of the pals that we listen to and watch their YouTube breakdowns or whatever feel like this is a reference to Magnum P.I. I don't know why there would be a Magnum P.I. reference here. My first thought was the ice cream brand, which is very prevalent overseas. You can't go anywhere in like Europe and Asia without seeing Magnum advertisements. And they are they definitely have Magnum ice cream in Pakistan. So mm -hmm. that's why I thought the dog was named Magnum. Do you have any thoughts or feelings? Um. Doesn't Nani doesn't Nani seem like someone who would name a dog after an ice cream bar rather than Tom Selleck? I don't know. She does. Yeah, I like that. I don't know. I think like for a lot of people, their main association with Magnum is going to be with like a certain size of condom. Yeah, so I, I, I have know. nothing more to contribute. <laughs> I know, but I don't think that's why Nani. <laughs> that's probably has not named it, her but... dog that. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, <laughs> anything else you want to talk about in the Easter egg section? We hit a couple of these. Um, so I, the, the the nap pillow, our dear sloth, just sloth a delight. Baby. Wonderful yeah. stuff. It was great to see the <laughs> great to see the sloth baby. Yeah. I, I like a, on the um, Ant Man mural. I like uh, the Adrian Alfana uh, call out to mm. great great Miss Marvel uh, comics artist. So yes. I, I love it when the creators get their names like. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's usually like a street name or a business yeah. name or whatever. But I love, I love license in, plate. Sometimes <laughs> I guess that's usually in a comic issue, and the the street signs are usually the creator names. Yeah, I love in Into the Spider Verse when he's like scrolling through his phone, and there's just all these names in the phone mm. in the like in the contacts in that one. Yeah. All right, secret <sighs> scroll. This is really easy for me this week. <sighs> I'm going with the cousins. Both I, it's the cousins. It's 100% the cousins who left Kamala in the middle of the street in a city she doesn't know. Also, the very strange comment about the sloth baby nap pillow. Like, I didn't know you were in here with someone. <laughs> Those cousins were, were bizarre. <laughs> I don't like, as characters, bizarre. Only explanations that they're secret scrolls. Oh, and sometimes we have people ask us about this because, I don't know, they're just like starting to listen to us for the first time. Yeah. A scroll is an alien in disguise in Marvel lore. We met them in a, you know, in, in Spider-Man and elsewhere. Um, uh, Captain Marvel, obviously. Um, 
it is a running bit that Mallory and I just pick a secret who might secretly be a scroll in whatever we're watching it, be it a Star Wars or a Marvel property yeah. or yeah. the boys or whatever. Yeah. Who's a who's a scroll in the boys? Oh, oh my God. What a great question. Had to be some some secret scrolls at Herogasm. Had to oh, be. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. 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 I think that that place maybe the fifty percent very prolific ejaculator. <laughs> <laughs> Secret scroll. It's my new favorite character name. Prolific <laughs> ejaculator. All right. <laughs> mailbag time. Yeah. Jomi isn't here, so it's my job to read out the uh, the mailbag prompts, which means I picked the weird and wonderful ones. So uh, you're, welco- you're welcome, everyone. We're gonna start with John, who asked. You and Mallory are tasked to form a four-person Pakistani boy band group, but can only pick the guys from The Ringer. Who would you pick and what would the group be called? Okay, Mallory, here's my first question. Are, are we tag team forming this or do we each create our own boy band? Let's tag team it. Okay. Number one draft, I think. Yeah. Is Jomia Dineron, who... When I was in LA last weekend was like next time karaoke, right? Okay. I so love J- this. Jomi. Yeah. Number Jomi one. Jomi always loves to chat about the the musical questions that we get in in mailbags yeah. as well. This is a great yeah. one. Um sticking with the karaoke theme then, I, my number 2 has to be Chris Ryan. Great. Because I once had the pleasure of seeing Chris Ryan at <laughs> Grantland karaoke and I was riveted. <laughs> incredible like his voice is amazing or he's just like charismatic on the mic all of the above like actual rock star energy seriously uh he sang mr brightside and it was mr brightside like transporting great great (laughs) i i am gonna rely on your institutional knowledge because obviously like i've spent far less time here at the ringer and also interact with fewer people than you do so i mean my next draft might actually be I don't know why this just strikes me as really funny is Ben Lindbergh. Good old Mike face, Ben Lindbergh. You know, um, Ben proposed marriage on stage at a concert. No, what concert? So, what uh, concert? A Sloan concert. And, you know, their child is named Sloan. And I think most people who have been reading Ben for years think that that's because of the analytics conference. And it's not. It's the band. <laughs> this is really charming. All right, oh, so my it's, God. It's I don't jo- know who to it's do the for the last pick. It's the team of Chris Ryan. I mean, no matter what, Arjuna is their manager. Let's just let's just put that out there, right? Goes without so saying. Yeah. Arjuna's the manager. Isaiah or Arjuna, do you want to get in on this? You want to help us forge our band? Do you have a nominee for our, our final the final, here? final Final pick? <sighs> I've been thinking it's tough. Final spot? <laughs> Isaiah, you can vote for yourself if you want yeah, to. Yeah, if you want. Yeah, I could probably do it. Yeah, I think I could do it. <laughs> All right. Love that for you. This is great. So it's Jomi Isaiah, Chris Wright, and Ben Lindbergh. It's good. Honestly, genuinely ragtag. Uh, what we call this group. Boy. It's got to be some sort of like ringer pun, right? Mm-hmm. Do we think that all the songs, because of, you know, the nature of this being a Miss Marvel bring a verse mm-hmm. culture podcast exercise that all the songs are going to be about like genre stories. Cause then instead of like, we could go with 10 rings as a play, but it could just be 10 ringers. Maybe then we need to add more people to the group. <laughs> I don't know. 
I just don't know. Shang-Chi and the Four Ringers employees. Um, I'm going to think about that. And also, we will take suggestions. If you guys have a better boy band uh, name, please let us know at us on Twitter uh, or elsewhere. And we'll, we'll, we'll find out. And then we'll make this happen at some point at Ringer, Ringer Con 2024. We will make this boy band happen. Isaiah, you get to start practicing right now. Okay. Dennis wrote and asked the most important question. How sticky was that guy who fell from the drinks trucks into the spill mm. bottles of grapefruit soda and whatnot on a sticky scale rating from everyone, please? Everyone just being us because we're here. Um, What's the scale? I think the stickiest, like, is the stickiest not like a movie theater floor that like someone has spilled soda and no one cleaned it up. So it's just been baked into the floor of the, you know, and your shoe makes that sound as it sort of yeah. like peels off of the stickiness. Yeah. That's top tier yeah. sticky for me. Sounds right? like a fruit roll up being. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> Classic. Movie, yeah. movie theater floor soda stickiness. Uh-huh. Yeah. Top, top. Bottom are those like, you mo- do you remember those like, um, quote unquote sticky like hand things that you would get as a kid that you could like throw and it was just a stick to something but as soon as it got like a fine layer of dust on it it stuck to nothing um i might this might be what? you might be too young for that <laughs> reference i need van here wait walk me through this again there's like it was like a you know like you get like sticky gummy uh yeah toy stuff as a kid right it was okay. like it was like a sticky hand thing and it was on a long sticky thing and you could just sort of like slingshot oh, or throw yeah, it yeah yes and you yeah. they, they would stretch much like yeah. like yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah like the stretchy okay, Arjuna, powers Arjuna's okay. with me too right yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I know what you're but talking that's, about that's at the bottom of the sticky scale because, because the stickiness didn't last yeah as soon as you know, as soon yeah. as it touched one thing it was then like not sticky anymore okay I'm, I'm hanging with you I'm back okay <laughs> those were I did not like those those had a weird smell I thought oh Absolutely bizarre. Yeah. <laughs> so the non-sticky sticky hands and the mm. sticky movie theater floor. Where where are we with the? Uh... I'm at like a somewhere in the middle, which I would I'll go with like ring pop, right? So like it can be, it, it's it's like you're not necessarily at the beginning really thinking about how sticky it is. You're just like, boy, this is delicious. And then by the end, you've got like an infinity gauntlet of candy coating all over your hands. Is that what happens? I've never had a ring pop. Does it just like what? <laughs> Does this like goop all over your hand? Well, it, I guess it could be something about the way I eat them. <laughs> Maybe you I like, might need to do, do some like, reflecting. Do you slobber your your ring pop? Like I don't think so, but I don't know if that's like. <laughs> That's like not a normal thing. I don't know. I think because like, you know, you've got the, it's just on top of your finger. Yeah. And you're just and you're like, like yeah. sucking on it. <laughs> no, I've never had a, I've never had a ring pop. Oh. I mean, I, oh, you're missing I know, out. I know what a ring pop is. I've just Delicious. never had one. What's the, what what's about the, a push pop? I mean, I don't think the push pops, the ice cream experience is as sticky, but you can also get some, you can get some mm. drip with a push I know, pop. I know. You know? Ooh, ooh. What about? Uh, this is the, I'm, I'm about to give like a <laughs> universal experience that everyone's gonna be like, oh yes, I've experienced that. Uh, gelato on a hot day in like it. Here's like mm-hmm. I li- I lived in Italy for a little while. And when I was there, six flags. Uh, I yeah. went from like sorry, I went from like uh, <laughs> American who doesn't know shit, right? Yeah. To like I've lived here for a little while and yeah. like um, watching. American tourists get the like piles of gelato on a cone yeah. and then try to yeah. walk around Florence as it just like yep. 
like drips an avalanche of stickiness yeah. down their arms. Yep. I'm like, you amateurs, you got to get the cup yes. and you got to go small because you yes. only have a limited amount of time with that gelato. You know? So I, uh, unlike you, I never lived in Italy, um, <laughs> but I did go for a week once during my semester abroad. And when I was in, when I was in Florence, very quickly identified the, the triple scoop cone um, conundrum. Yeah. And my solution Disaster. was to get three different orders at slightly staggered periods yeah. of time. That, of that's, the cups. A, that's a pro move. Yeah. But cup three gelato and, per and day. one scoop delicious. Only. Yeah. <laughs> Be- best gelato flavor, Mallory Rubin. Oh, I I couldn't possibly. I mean, I could not possibly. I just love I love them all. I don't know. I oh God. I think it depends on the mood. It's like too specific to whether I want something like fruity and refreshing or like mm. rich and creamy. Just depends on my mood. And the best part about the the three scoop day is that you can just have run the gamut. You don't need yeah. to worry about them complimenting each other. Exactly. What about you? Favorite flavor? Stracciatella. I think. Yeah, that's probably if you made me pick, that would be my favorite yeah. one. When yeah. they opened Grom in when I lived in New York and they opened a Grom in the village, I would get the Stracciatella there all the time. Yeah. It just it just fucking delicious. I just have to say though, this is not about gelato. This is about ice cream. We're here. We're talking about. We're talking about uh, frozen confections, and Arjuna is on the Zoom with us, and I won't, mi- I will not miss the opportunity to say that Minship ice cream is delicious, and Arjuna is wrong. Oh my god, it's honestly, it's my favorite. It's my favorite too, and Arjuna. he thinks it's gross. And the first time he told me this, I was like, I don't know if we can move forward. <laughs> like wow, what, like, not for me. Oh, it's oh These no, are cowardly, many, cowardly many, Zoom chats, many Zoom right chats. Now. It's disgusting. It's disgusting. I can't do it. I can't do chip. I respect it. I respect that but you, you don't both respect enjoy it. You it. just said it's gross and it's but disgusting. It for me, for me, it's disgusting. Are you I against all mint chocolate combinations? Yeah, I am. Okay. That's a I wrong opinion, but that's okay. I don't understand uh, But I will relate to you in this moment by saying I am vehemently against all orange chocolate combinations. I think orange and chocolate is a disgusting combination. And so though we are not forced to eat orange chip ice cream, let me tell you of the trauma (laughs) of being a child and thinking that you're getting a mint Milano Mm. and then it's a disgusting orange Milano cookie, like orange and chocolate. It's a no for me. Wonderful. You didn't like the like orange chocolate candies, you know, that were shaped like an orange and you'd break them apart. The whack, the wacka, whacka orange. That was a Christmas tradition in my my family. No, I mean, I I love an interactive chocolate. That sounds like (laughs) I would love to like I would love to be the one to break it. I just wouldn't eat it because I thought uh, here's one of my takes. Chocolate Mm. is delicious with anything. Orange mint or otherwise. Okay. Isaiah, do you have any strong chocolate flavor <laughs> opinions that you need to get out? <sighs> Nothing too crazy. I'm not like a mint chocolate fan, but I'm not, it's not gross. That's a bit strong for sure. I just can't believe that like Arjuna wouldn't enjoy like an Andy's mint. An Andy's mm, mint? Refreshing. Delicious. Wonderful. Wow. Makes okay. me, it makes me feel sick. Makes me want to vomit. Wow. Well, then that <laughs> brings <laughs> me to our... my stomach. Wow. Is it a taste aversion thing? Did you have like a bad experience as a kid? Did you eat too many oh, as a kiddo? And... No, I, I, I just remember eating them as a kid and thinking they were gross, and it just hasn't, it hasn't changed since then. It's just been, <sighs> it's been that way. I mean, yeah. I feel compelled to change your mind, but this is how everyone who meets me and finds out that I don't like hot fruit treats me. Because I don't yeah. eat, I don't this eat pies, a, and people are a troubling upset about it. About you, yeah. yeah. <laughs> love a, love a fruit pie. Love a cobbler. <laughs> Wonderful. Right. 
Not a not a buckle, <laughs> not a cobbler. Get it out of here. All right. If the Ringerverse was a secret society, Peter asks, what would its corny secret society name be? Oh, my goodness. Great question. Yeah. Ooh. They're asking us for like a lot of naming creativity and really feel like this is like Van's sweet spot or also like mm. Steve coming in with a particularly corny pun. But like we're not particularly <laughs> gifted in that way. Ringerverse secret society i would call us the magnums like the ice cream not like tom Selleck or the condom size that would be <laughs> my really jaunty <laughs> i i just Brief name. i just think we make way too many dick jokes on the pod to be called the magnums we just can't <laughs> no way absolutely not oh man <laughs> maybe like hmm there's a lot we could do with rings a lot we could do with verse. Verse has like a nice secret society kind of thing going. Oh, the verse? Yeah. Just call it the verse? Yeah. It's like if you're really in the know, you're part of the verse. Yeah. Yeah. And does, I like it, that. does it have a little apostrophe in front of it? Only like, on our tattoos. Okay. Yeah. Well, great. That I really do feel like that fulfills the corny prompt. <laughs> We're getting tattoos <laughs> with apostrophe verse. <laughs> I would do it. <laughs> terrible. Terrible. <laughs> um, oh, all right. Again, if your name is Van Latham or Steve Allman or anyone else who's listening who has a better idea of what we should call uh, the Ring of Our Secret Society, let us know on social or elsewhere. And, uh, you know, write it in the sky. I don't care how you decide to communicate it to us. Anything else that we want to say about this episode of Miss Marvel? Uh, Arjuna's baffling feelings about mint chocolate. Like anything else we got? No, I don't, I don't think so. Do it's it? just an absolute joy to discuss the show with you. So I glad agree. to do it at last. All right. We're going to do what we do at the close of every episode, which is just to remind you of the many, many shows we have coming for you because we love you and want to talk to you about all things nerddom. So Mallory and I will be here tomorrow to talk to you about Stranger Things, something I am staying up all night to watch. Mallory will be getting up at the crack of dawn. Yeah. It'll be we'll, later tomorrow, but it'll will, be tomorrow. Yeah, we will be here. Not, <laughs> not, we're not hot take. We're not a hot take pod, but we will be serving you medium takes um, about, about Stranger Things. We'll also be back on Monday the fourth with, with the second Stranger Things episode. The Midnight Boys Pew Pew will be back on Wednesday to talk about the boys and Miss Marvel in conjunction together. Um, and then we will be back, of course, to also talk about Miss Marvel. And then, as I said, Thor Love and Thunder time, baby. Um, so that is it for us this week. Thank you to Mallory Rubin. Just like a gem and a treasure. And I love talking to you about everything. You're my favorite. <laughs> oh, same pal. What a joy. Um, what a treat. <laughs> Thanks to uh, Isaiah Blakely, who does not have disturbing mint chocolate takes for his work on this episode. And thanks even to Arjuna Rangapal <laughs> for his tremendous work on this episode, uh, even though he is a monster and should not be allowed near ice cream. All right. We will see you tomorrow <laughs> right here. Bye. Bye. 